All right, welcome to the Felt Recoil Podcast, number 153, hosted by myself. I'm Chris Patrick, across from me. How are you good, sir? I am great. Been traveling all around the world the last couple weeks, have you not? I don't know if I'm great. Am I great? What's the context? Well, the news tells me I shouldn't be. I'll tell you, the news is so out of control that we're almost at a point. I love the fact, by the way, that we're at the point where it seems John Q. Public and the the diehard, I guess maybe even more importantly, the fanatics like ourselves have just determined no more need to watch the news. We've come full circle. It won't do you any good. There was a time we didn't have the 24-7 news cycle and everybody was healthy and unwise to the um, improbabilities of the world. Right. You know? And now, that's all we hear about forever well, and always. Those improbabilities are now probabilities due to the media. Right. Because they'll make you think it's going to happen to you yeah. tomorrow. Nay, today. Right. Breaking Cur- news. Currently. Breaking news. Watch your back. Yeah. Coronavirus has got a baseball bat. That kind of stuff. That's right. I had an interesting conversation with my son. I want to get to in a second. I don't know how you explain Black Lives Matter to a kid, but today that was brought up. I'll expound on that in a moment. Uh, But glad you're back. Sorry, no show last week. Uh, I was a little under the weather. I might have the Rona. You might, yeah. We might be able to update that next week. Doctor's appointment in the morning. There's something lingering around our house. And... um, we're going to figure that out tomorrow. Um, if so, be ready. Be ready. All right. Because, as you know, I survived a very non-life-threatening form of cancer. Yes. That we're all well aware. I have ridden that horse for, yeah. what are we going on? Till it was Five dead. or six years now. Oh, it's still breathing. <laughs> I resuscitate it as necessary. It may have cancer now. If I survive the pandemic, holy cow. You holy cow. You'll be you'll be unstoppable. I know you thought it was tasteless how I crashed the cancer survivors park grand yeah. opening. Yep. Yeah. Um this will be <laughs> It was really weird when you walked in the middle like they had like the ribbon out there and the big scissors and the guy behind the podium and the lady with no hair and you like walked up and you're like, Oh, this is for me? <laughs> it was like I I, I admire you for it, but it was really off-putting, just so you know. First, we got a little bit of an issue here. Um, th- we're having a Luke, I'm your father moment. That, that's not the exact quote, okay? Yeah. Right. The Mandela effect. Right. Uh, what I said was, for me? Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's all that's I right. said. Yep. Now, remember their surprise when I cut the ribbon and said, <laughs> I cut this ribbon the way they cut me open to get the cancer out. Yep. That's very dramatic. Yeah, you pulled out hemostats and a Gerber multi-tool. <laughs> and I, did, I mean... I weird. kept the remnants. It's weird because I don't know why you would carry those oh, two items. It's very tasteless the way uh, I laugh about my ordeal. Except that it wasn't really much of an ordeal. Uh, but what this would be if I have the Rona and I survive is this would essentially be me showing up at that park with a shovel and digging holes all around it and saying, <laughs> it's time to honor the real survivors. <laughs> uh, those of us 
Um, who knows? Anyway, um, there's a little bug going around our house. And I, and I had it. It's funny. I had it bad last Monday. I was really not feeling good. And then uh, it kind of went away for a few days. And within the last few days, it crept back up. Um, and so who knows? Who knows? But, but I mean, science will. And we'll find out. Maybe tomorrow. Lingers. Yeah, it came back. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. I, I want to tell the story about uh, our conversation about Black Lives Matter. And um, I want to say, oh, I got to tell you the, the coincidence of the doctor's appointment. I thought that was funny. I'll give everybody a recommendation that I shouldn't give them. But first, let's talk about this week's charity of choice. It is the uh, Wounded and Recovering Fund, the SC War Fund, GreenvilleWarFund.com. For more information, GreenvilleWarFund.com. This is a local charity. Uh, it's based in Greenville County where we live, but it serves all law enforcement around the state of South Carolina now. Any wounded and recovering officers around the state, they help heroes heal at GreenvilleWarFund.com. You can go there, make a small donation, but also you can kind of get something back. It's pretty cool. They put on a lot of different things uh, throughout the year, every year. 5K, they have a charity falling steel match that's a lot of fun. They do down at the Belton Gun Club. I think that's coming up at the end of October. So get out front of that. Get registered for those things. Partake, partake, partake. But also, uh, you get to give back. And it's a lot of fun. And, and, and a lot of fun. <laughs> I said it because I'm looking at War Fund. Um, I had lunch with these guys a couple weeks ago. I don't know, about a week ago now. And um, we're going to work up a promo video for them. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, with it, they, they have a production team that comes in and makes their videos. So we're kind of throwing ideas at the wall. And the point is, they're just the nicest salt-of-the-earth people you're ever going to meet. They're worth supporting in and of themselves, let alone the work they do. So, GreenvilleWarFund.com, if you don't mind. GreenvilleWarFund.com. Okay. I, I hesitate to say this because I think if you have the secret playbook, you don't really tell people you have the secret playbook. Kind of keep it to yourself. Hence, it's secret. Once I share this, everybody's going to see me doing it, right? Like, now you're going to know, I see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Which I did to you before we started to prove that the method works. Yes. There's a book everybody needs to read. I've been reading through it. I'm bad about being slow on reading books, but I feel like that is why I'm able to retain the knowledge a little bit better. Sometimes I read books two or three times, like Power of Habit. I've read mm -hmm. two or three times because, A, it's packed full of knowledge, it's also fun to read. This will be one I'll read 10 to 12 times easy. It's that good. It's full of that much information. It is called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Negotiating as if your life depends on it. We'll put a link up on our Facebook page. How about that? It's facebook.com. Uh, Felt Recoil Show. I'll get you linked up to it. Um, you need to read this book. Everyone should read this book, Patrick. Absolutely everyone. I was sharing with you the mirroring technique, which he teaches early on. The mirroring technique allows you to get all the information you need. Everything in life is a negotiation, all of it. I'll give you an example in a second. But think about your daily life. If you've got kids, bedtime's a negotiation. What's for dinner is a negotiation. Everything's a negotiation in life. And if you have a, a job like the rest of us, you're constantly negotiating with the people around you. And Chris Voss has done an amazing job of developing a scientific method as to how to negotiate properly with people. One of the things, as I mentioned, is mirroring, where you essentially repeat somebody's statement back to them as a question. You take about three words of it, you say it back to them as a question, and then you 
work on being comfortable with the awkward pause that follows and you watch them give you all the information you need to then follow up with maybe more mirroring techniques or open-ended questions and then get what you're looking to get out of it. He had a quote in there from a guy. Uh, it's, it's not a Voss quote, it's somebody else's quote, uh, but he basically said that the art of negotiation is making someone else tell you you want what you wanted the whole time. Something like that. I botched it. But, uh, but, it, it, but that's essentially what he teaches you to do. How do you create this idea in the other person's head and make them believe it's theirs and they feed it right back to you and you get exactly what you wanted the whole time? Uh, he's got uh, tons of war stories in it about buying cars, negotiating people's lives. Crazy. Um, I'm intrigued. Um, one flaw in your logic I'd like to point out. Yes, sir. Just one. If everybody reads it, right, then everybody will know the secret. Yeah, that's true. That's and what then, I was saying at and the top. Then it won't be a secret anymore. We'll just be sitting around asking each other what and how it questions will, all be, day. It will just be the, a never-ending, you know, question uh, answered by a question, answered by a question. What do you expect me to do with this, Patrick? How could I tell you that, Chris? <laughs> yeah, all day back and forth. It's it's a hard thing to nail down. I recently negotiated a refund from a hotel using the techniques of this book. And that was kind of funny because, um, again, I'm an amateur and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm no Chris Voss. I can tell you they doubled the initial offer pretty fast into the negotiations and then they stopped responding and then never fully refunded what they said they would. So we went from 10% to 20% real quick. Then we landed on 25, which is not, I was asking for all of it. Like 100%. Mm -hmm. You got, this was terrible experience. I want all my money back. And uh, they said, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that. We'll give you 10%. Uh, We ended at 25 and then they refunded something like 18. Um, It was really weird. And so then when I was saying, hey, you said 25, now we're at 18. What happened? They just went dark. Uh, Anyway, it doesn't matter too much, except that uh, I did apply it today as well. And I, you know, you ever have that moment where you just saw something happen and then something similar happens to you and you wonder, am I making that up? You know, like, uh, did that event just occur to me? Meaning, here's what happened. Um, I happened, you know, Facebook feeds you all these weird things nowadays. And a, a clip from Tommy Boy popped up. And it's the one where they have the epiphany about a sales technique when he's trying to get the chicken wings. I got to be real honest. As soon as you started telling me about this book, that's exactly what I was thinking about. No. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> Tommy Boy pops up on the screen. It's where he gets his chicken wings. Tommy even... want wingy. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm going to fire up the grill or whatever she says. And uh, he gets his wings because, as he says to Spade's character, it didn't matter to him if he got the wings. He still had the leftover pizza in the trunk of the car, and he'd eat that, right? And so... Um, I get on the phone today, and I'm trying to get this doctor's appointment. And they're like, oh, well, you know, August 18th is the earliest we can see you. And I say, oh, August 18th is the earliest they could see me. Yeah, we're real busy. She gives me information. And uh, one of the things he talks about is open-ended questions, the hows and the whats, the hows and the whats. And uh, this is definitely, by the way, a 30,000-foot view of the book. 
but essentially, uh, she she gave me back some information, and then she made me um, uh, she made the offer of me seeing the other doctor at the practice or the physician's assistant. And I said, mm, I wonder how that would be seeing one of them, essentially, and let that simmer. And she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, what, what do you think I'd have to do to see Dr. Matthias quicker? Now, one of the keys, by the way, I will tell you this, is he talks about giving them your name out of your mouth to personalize the negotiation, right? Like now you're not a foe, you're a friend because you've said, hey, this is my name. They've heard that your name from you. Then you use their name sparingly, not used car salesman where it's like six times every time they speak. But you're sparingly saying their name back. So I was doing that. I used her name three times total in our five- or six-minute conversation, just enough that I wanted her to know I knew it. And wouldn't you know that when I say, what would I have to do, she gives me an answer. And then I say, isn't it weird to think about seeing somebody who's not your doctor? Now, I know that's a yes-no, and you're not supposed to do that, but I felt like it was also open-ended. And I'm telling you, when I asked that question, she said yes, and I had built the rapport, and I had the empathy. I kid you not, within a couple of minutes, she said, well, you know what? It looks like somebody just canceled for 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Can you do 8 a.m. tomorrow morning? And I said, you bet I could. Wow, thank you for doing that for me. Now, that was my idea the whole time. I want, I want to come in tomorrow. Never really said it that way. But I was, what can I do to see a doctor first thing tomorrow? was in my head. And then we got it. And I'm telling you, not me, Mr. Voss. It it's, sounds it's like. It's his technique. It's incredible. It sounds like leveraging that awkward silence yeah. to your advantage. Absolutely. Um, you put me on to a documentary called Echo in the Canyon. And uh, Jacob Dylan, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, did that. And he's, I think it's Stephen Stills. He's interviewing, if I remember correctly, at one point in the in the film. And I think you and I have talked about this, but he's interviewing him, and he he gives him kind of an open ended question, and then he just doesn't say anything. Right, he just stands there and and looks at him, and Stephen Stills starts to kind of answer the question, and then he he doesn't follow it up with another question. He just lets it linger. Mm -hmm. And then it was like a dam burst yeah. where Stephen just starts explaining everything. And I thought, what great restraint you have to have as someone giving an interview to not let that awkward silence, because it's not long at all. It's a couple seconds. But I bet in the moment, to either one of them, it probably felt really long. Mm -hmm. So to have the, the willpower to let that ride and use it to your advantage because I think had he followed up with a question, you wouldn't have got all that information on the back end. So I, I'm only saying all this to say it, it sounds um, similar to what I've seen in practice in other places. That just seems like a good example. I hate you so much. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm making you do it. <laughs> He says in there, psychologically, we fill the need to fill the void. Yeah. We're, we are sociable creatures. It's all, it's what we are. People literally, if you go watch Alone, people literally give up a million dollars because they're tired of being lonely. We have, God has created us 
with a desire to be around people. I mean, that's the first part of the Bible, right, is God saw man was lonely, so he created a woman. God makes no mistakes. I have to say that every time I think about what happened there. Um, so he made him a woman for companionship. People need companionship. It's naturally wired in us that we want to be around people and talk, and that comes with awkward silences. We fill that void, and I'm, I'm terrible at that. My whole life I've been bad at that of if it's quiet and you're in the room with me, and you're not talking, I feel like you must be mad at me. Something, there's a reason this person doesn't want to speak with me, and so I'm just going to talk and pry it out of them, right? Like, oh, they're in a bad mood, so I'll say fun things to put them in a good mood type thing. Awkward silence is, is tough to deal with. <laughs> it, would be, it would be like a fun podcast to do if we could get Voss's permission <laughs> and have him host, like, the Art of Negotiation podcast. <laughs> and then it's... A couple of what and how questions, and then 45 minutes of silence. <laughs> uh, Echo in the Canyon, by the way. Who knew Jacob Dylan is such a good interviewer? Uh, yeah, great. That's a, that's a prime example of it. And then Voss says, go watch some Oprah interviews. You go watch Oprah interview celebrities. She's really good at the open-ended. And then, and then allowing the pregnant pauses to exist. And then let the other person take it and run. Really, really good book. So anyway... I'd encourage, if, if you like to read, go read that. It, it will 100%, if you're willing to practice it, within the first week of picking the book up, it'll change your life. You'll be amazed at how much you start getting out of people just with the way you talk to them. It's phenomenal. I love it. Okay, hey, do you want to listen to a lady's career end? I kind of feel like you, you'd be into that. Yes. Okay, let's listen to a lady's career end. You remember the D.C. Democrats? It's like... Where'd you find this? Like World Star or something? World Star. Um, that could have been it. It's actually on the Daily Wire. Oh, and so close. Uh, what I was going to say is it would actually make sense if somebody yelled World Star uh, during this shellacking that this lady's about to get. Not bad, huh? Um, it's really, really bad. So, you know, the Texas Democrats, they tuck tail and run. And they were basically saying, well, we're doing this to protect the integrity of the vote. Well, that whole narrative is about to get wrecked. Um, we don't have to let this whole thing play. Just tell me when you get bored. But I would definitely recommend a pad of paper and a pen. Listen to this. Is uh, Representative Nancy Mace for her five minutes of questioning? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, I, I want to thank Ms. Thompson. I was a state lawmaker for three years before I came to Congress. Um, I represent the 1st Congressional District of South Carolina. And South Carolina has had its own history um, very bad history uh, with black South Carolinians, black and brown and African Americans. Um, I recently took a vote to move statues like Supreme Court Justice Taney, removing his bust out of the Capitol Rotunda because he wrote the Dred Scott opinion, the one that said that black and brown and African Americans could not become citizens of the United States of America. I voted to move you know, someone like Wade Hampton who uh, encouraged the murder of over 150 black South Carolinians during his run for governor. And uh, I, so I appreciate your comments about the 60s. I I've, I've, was not around then, but I've watched and read a lot of the history and seen the videos and seen the moments of violence against black America. So I applaud your work on that. My understanding is you were elected in 1972 in Texas. Is that correct? It is correct. Right, and I, I applaud you for um, for for uh, making history, I imagine, in Texas and being a strong voice for black men and black women. All right, I'm going to pause it right there for just a quick second. I know this might sound heartless, 
maybe even cruel. But that woman's been in office since 1972, and things still aren't fixed where she comes from. Right? Like, okay. I mean, just like Biden. Right, exactly. I'm going to need you to lay out for me every step of the way where everything has been turned against you by the powers that be. I need to hear the details of this grand conspiracy where you're not able to get things done because of whatever oppression you say exists. I mean, I, I think it should be, um, or maybe would be appropriate if the question were, could you give us a list of all the things you have accomplished? I bet Great. most politicians couldn't right. come up with anything, and the ones that could, you could probably filter out the BS right. pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to do it. Uh, and again, I, you know, I would add, I'm sure in the 70s, it's probably still kind of tough, right? Because people are still, there were people you, that. you know, coming out of the 60s who were still salty about, you know, you're, you're not the master race as much as you might have thought you were. I, I can understand that. Um, so anyway, uh, the point is, I wonder if she was a Democrat back then. Because the Democrats of the 60s are the ones who were opposing civil rights legislation by margin of four to one. By margin of four to one. So it would be interesting to know if she started as a Republican and then and then came over later, if she just didn't know what the Democratic Party was about when she signed up. Anyway, Miss Mace continues, and this is kind of where it starts to go south um, for the congresswoman from Texas. Coming from South Carolina, we've got we've got voter ID. Um, and uh, I'm assuming Texas is the same way. Do y'all do y'all need IDs to buy alcohol when you're purchasing at the store? Yes, if you, uh, to be sure that you are capable of doing that. Right. Do you need an ID in Texas to buy cigarettes? You can't buy them unless you're tw at least 21. But do you have to show an ID to buy cigarettes? You have to show an ID. Um, do you need an ID when you're getting a job and trying to get on payroll in Texas? Yes. Do you need an ID to uh, go to the pharmacy and get a prescription in Texas? It depends on the prescription. But do you need an ID for some prescriptions yes, in Texas? Do. Yes. Um, do you need an ID to uh, get Social Security services in Texas? You do. I don't do know, by the way, I don't know that m m the, the Representative Thompson here knows where Miss Mace is going I with this. I don't think she does. It kind of feels like she's bored, doesn't really understand where, where yeah. are we going. But that shoe's about to An ID uh, to rent an apartment in Texas. Yes. Do you need an ID if you're going to buy a house uh, and finance it via a mortgage in Texas? Yes. Um, do you need an ID in Texas if you're going to board an aircraft and fly commercial? Yes. Did you fly commercial or fly a private jet on the way to D.C.? A chartered plane. Do you have to show an ID when you fly in a private charter jet? Yes. I wouldn't know. I've never, I've never flown on one. Um, Roasted. <laughs> so did you, did you need an ID to get in the building here today? Yes. Um, All right. So she's really laying the groundwork here, right? Do you need an ID in here, Texas right? to open a bank account? She's going to keep, yeah. do you need yeah, to do this, need to do that. And then what's coming here Thompson, um, is who votes how many, what and how they vote. of blacks in Texas, black and brown African Americans are registered to vote? Oh, a huge percentage. Uh, 70%. Do you yeah. know what percentage of African Americans, black and brown Texans uh, have voted um, on average or in the last election? About 64%. 
Correct. Uh, do you know how many uh, whites are registered to vote in Texas? Far more than African Americans. 72%. You have 70% uh, of blacks in Texas who are registered to vote. You have 72% of whites in Texas who are registered to vote. Do you know the percentage of whites who turned out to vote in recent elections? I want to say over 50-some percent. So, uh, 65%. Yeah. Um, do you know what percentage of Hispanics are registered to vote in Texas? No, I do not. 63%. Do you know what percentage of Hispanics voted in the last election? I think it was over 40%. 53%. Uh, Hispanics are, are, are not voting in as high a numbers as blacks and whites in Texas. All Do right, you know so, so we'll pause for a second and, and unpack this. So black African-American Texans, you have 70% of them are registered to vote, 64% showed up. Uh, of the whites, 72% uh, registered, 65% showed up. Hispanics, 63% registered, and 53% showed up. So among blacks and African-Americans and white people, pretty much dead even. Uh, it's a little low on the Hispanic side, 63% registered and only 53% showing up to actually vote. Oh, no, uh, the percentage of Democrats that support voter ID. Would you repeat your question? Do you know the number or percentage of Democrats who support voter ID in this country? I do not, but I don't think it's a whole lot. 72%. Do you know the number <laughs> of black and brown and African Americans uh -uh. in this country who support voter ID? No. 75%. Do you know the number of Hispanics that support voter ID in this country? No. 81%. Do you know where the state of Texas is ranked uh, with black voter turnout in this country? With black voters turnout? Mm -hmm. Do you know where, where Texas is ranked? Oh, 40, about 44%. Uh, the latest numbers that I read this morning was that Texas is ranked 10th. Do you know where Texas is ranked? So then top 10 in the country. Do you know where Texas is ranked with women voters? Oh, way up in the 50s. In the bottom third of this country. So I would argue that we have a, Texas has a more difficult problem with getting women out to vote Man. than black and brown and African Americans. Thank you, and I yield back. So obviously the point being, these people are already voting, and almost in dead even numbers, they support the voter ID laws. Right. Incredible. Incredible. If that woman goes back, if Thompson can go back to Texas and still get elected, then... I'm not sure. I don't know what to tell you. Even when she was done, when Mace was done, that she knew right. Thompson knew what just happened. Thompson does strike as the type that looks at her friend and goes, "What was that all about? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why are we talking well, about so that?" She's so worked up about. So I'm driving home with my son tonight, and uh, we have a house in our neighborhood that has a Black Lives Matter flag up. Right? Yep. You, you have to pass it to get home, and. Um, he asked me what why that, are you picking on my house, Chris? What that meant? I'm not. This is why I brought it up. You can help me answer. <laughs> he says to me, uh, he says, "Hey, uh, why, why, what is Black Lives Matter? Why do you, why do we have that?" And I said, um, "That's a good question. It's a it's a group of people who um, they believe that you and I should." Um, have to take some of our stuff and give it to them and they they base that belief uh on another belief they have that the entire world is against them simply because of the color of their skin he says hmm that's not what i thought it was and i said what did you think it was and he says i've seen some commercials on youtube for black lives matter 
which is news to me, uh, especially since he doesn't have access to regular YouTube. They have kids' YouTube. And, and if you don't know, by the way, if you're making videos that YouTube determines are geared towards children, companies are not allowed to target children with their ads via YouTube anymore. YouTube won't share those analytics with people, right, with companies that advertise. But YouTube is choosing who's seeing what. So what YouTube is doing is they're propagating the children with Black Lives Matter messaging that is mm-hmm. only positive. And he goes on to tell me, um, which is another point to talk about, we'll back up to about at what point do you rip things away from your kids when you learn this? <laughs> because then you feel like you're teaching them to not be honest with you, right? Like if, if suddenly dad goes, okay, well, guess what? No more kids of YouTube for you. <laughs> Uh, well, next time I can't tell Dad that that happened, right? Yep. Just put up with it. And then I don't have a chance to retort. So, um, he says, well, I thought it was about not judging people because of how they look. And I said, well, don't we do that anyway? And he said, yeah, but I thought that's what Black Lives Matter is. And I said, if you want, when we get inside, we pull up the website and I'll read you what they say they're all about. And you can decide if you agree or disagree with those things. But I am going to tell you that they're going to say that money from us needs to go to them. And they believe that uh, you and I are automatically against them simply because we're white. He said, hmm. And then I had to go into you. There are good people in that organization. And I mean that. There are good people who are holding those signs. Probably the family flying that flag is a perfectly rational, nice family. Um, I don't think they understand the nuances of the organization they're supporting with that flag. And I don't know how you explain that to an (laughs) eight-year-old. You know? So here I am going, I don't know, man. Like, it's not a group we agree with. Because of these really extreme views the group has as a whole, but that doesn't mean you treat every person that supports the group like they're a piece of garbage, right. a piece of trash. Uh, just we happen to know. Uh, I think I've mentioned my face masks here because yep. he brought those up too. And he said, well, you have face masks, I say. And I say, yeah, you're right. Because those people were getting in the middle of the road attacking cars and, and putting families in danger. And if we got into that situation, if we ever do, we're going to have these masks to put on that say Black Lives Matter on them. And they're going to think we're, we're, hey, hoorah, good for you guys. Get on you. Yeah, all right. Can we please go through? Let us get out of here. Good luck with the protest. Keep it up. Fight the good fight, brothers. We're out of here type thing. Um, Just an interesting concept to explain to the kid. Because it's not black and white, pardon the pun. It's not like it's the KKK even though they have been hijacked by a radical organization called Antifa. Maybe they weren't even hijacked. They are kind of radical in the beginning anyway, right? They're Marxists. They admitted that from the get-go. And now we're having to explain to kids, because YouTube's running commercials positively for this organization, that uh, they can't really support it. You, you kind of wish it was more, I guess the media is to blame, right? Because you, you wish the perception was more for what they really are at the core of it. You know, it's easy to tell a kid to not like the Klan. Klan's full of bad people, you know, all 150 of them or whatever it is nationwide. <laughs> it's harder now to tell a kid Black Lives Matter is a bad organization when the media portrays it as these people have a legitimate gripe. We know statistically they don't. 
actually, right? Mm-hmm. Like proportionately speaking, we know they don't have a gripe. They don't have a gripe. Um, so that was a hard thing to explain to an eight-year-old. Very interesting. And especially I think of it because then you see a woman like this who's an elected representative out of Texas who's been there longer than I've been alive. I'm 40 years old. That woman was elected seven years before I was born. And what has she been doing? Get off your duff. Go make it happen, right? Yet now, I'm sure, she would fly the flag, put her fist in the air, scream the battle cry, and say, well, it's good we have Black Lives Matter. Then get out of the way. What have you been doing? Let somebody else get in there and try. I'm going to be honest. I don't... I haven't given Black Lives Matter a lot of thought lately. Right. Um... Just in general. So when you brought it up, I was kind of sitting here going, huh, it's kind of out of the cycle right now. Uh, so I actually pulled up Google Trends to see uh, kind of what the um, interest over time is. And if you look at Google, it's it's actually near an all-time low. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Because it really is. It's out, of the, it's out of the news cycle right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Everything's covid uh, you know, Delta, Lambda Chi, Omega variant, and whatever <laughs> that means. So <laughs> Took me a minute like, to catch up with you on that there's one. No, there's no time to talk about Black Lives Matter right now when you got to keep COVID yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah. And and how do you justify that, right? Like they, Black Lives Matter had to take a back seat, or the COVID scare tactics don't mean anything right like how do you justify hey don't be out there in public unless you're masked and then that's coupled right up with news coverage of the latest protest where they're you know breaking windows and burning down buildings uh screaming on behalf of you know uh what's his name george floyd i was thinking Derek, but that was the officer yep you know screaming long live george floyd and michael brown and all these people mm-hmm. um you can't really have that juxtaposition without people finally realizing which i think most people did like eh, you know what it's a little weird well you couldn't have a barbecue in your backyard but you could freely riot and burn down the city mm-hmm. i think that's where your average reasonable person went all right yeah i'm not yeah. buying it yeah i'm done with that right like the, the whole idea of good enough for thee but not for me yep you know the nancy pelosi hair salons of the world who else got popped recently? I know Gavin Newsom's gotten caught twice. Chris Cuomo getting called out by that dude on his own show. That was pretty awesome. Yep. If you saw the Italian restaurant. And this guy from Brooklyn has his Italian restaurant. He's telling people they can only come in if they're not vaccinated. And Cuomo's all mad. So he brings the guy on to yell at him. The guy's like, dude, you went outside with your family while you had COVID. Who are you yelling at? And Cuomo's all mad and never really addresses it. Just calls the guy an yep. idiot and basically shoves him off the show. That kind of stuff's funny. Uh, and it, it is a perfect segue into this week's vote of the week. Ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. This this was a tough one for me. This was a tough one for me because did you see Kalamata Olive's poll numbers this week? I did. Most unpopular pres- vice president in all time. Well, at least since the 70s. Los Angeles Times says, uh, as of July 27th, 45% of registered voters had a favorable opinion of Harris, and 48% had an unfavorable opinion 
a net rating of negative three percentage points. The most recent YouGov tracking poll shows that Harris's unfavorability rating has hit 49%, while her favorability uh, hovers around 45. Now, you would think uh, that would make her the vote of the week. Wait, but before you go on, yes, who is surprised by this news? Who saw that and Kam- was like, we landed on the moon? Kamala Harris. The answer yeah. is Kamala Harris herself. She legitimately polled at like 2% right. in, in the primaries. In the primaries. Yeah. She was one of the least favorite yeah. of all. The only reason why she got any attention was because she called out Joe Biden. Yeah. Zinged him uh, good. She did. Oh, she did. Yeah. She it, probably one of the better moments of the whole spectacle, honestly. But that's it. That's yeah. all she had going for. Squirrel moment, by the way. If you haven't seen the video we put up, I had never seen this video. It's from the Trump YouTube channel, which maybe explains why I had never seen it. Mm. Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, has a video on his YouTube page. It's just a compilation of Biden getting caught lying. Have you seen this thing? No. It's got him where he shouts down the reporter, tells the reporter he graduated in the top of his class, has three degrees, and then Sam Donaldson and Tom Brokaw going, in fact... Senator Biden does not have three degrees, right. and he graduated in the bottom third of his class. I have seen that clip uh, before. And then it's uh, him lifting the speech from the British Labor Party guy about, um, it's like a week after this guy gives this great speech in which the guy says, why am I the first of my family to go to university? And why is my wife the first in a thousand generations of her family to go to university? It's because the women don't have a platform, and then like a week later, it shows Biden. This is from the 80s. Yeah. That's uh, when he was running in 88. He had enough uh, mental capacity to remember his lines. Yeah, exactly. And Biden says, you know, I was just thinking as I was driving over here, uh, why am I the first Biden to go to university? And uh, uh, why is my wife the first to get into a university? That's because we don't have a platform. Women haven't had a platform. Like, it's verbatim lifted. Then he gets called on it, Ouch. and he's all mad. So anyway, that was another you good contender. You don't have contender. to worry about that now. No. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even do it now. Uh, both of those made solid contenders. I mean, Biden's just a gift that keeps on giving if you have a vote, a segment you need to fill every week. But, nay, neither of them. Uh, in fact, it's Biden's current boss, Barack Obama. Oh. Uh, he is our voter of the week. White House press secretary. Our golden oldie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's still around. He's just in the shadows. Uh, Jen Saki. Saki? Sakai, who knows? Dodging questions, as always, from I Peter know. Ducey. Obama's having a birthday party. Did you see this? I did. The the the, the guest list is up to about 700, 700. people. Yep. I actually saw an article, uh, I think, yesterday, and it said 500. And then I saw one today that said 700. And I thought, okay, now they're just, like, embellishing. So I clicked on it, and it said in the article uh, that the – Something to the effect of it was going to be around 500 people, but, you know, I guess they had a couple more friends they wanted to invite. Think about the only thing you've ever achieved in your life, which is a good thing, by the way, being the president. But the president's salary is like four and a quarter, right? 450? Yep. Somewhere around there. About half a million a year. Is it tax-free? I don't think the president pays taxes. No, I don't know. He should, but I bet he doesn't. Anyway... You seen his Martha's Vineyard mansion? Yeah. How, how are you for that? Thirteen and a half million dollars. I think. Come on, man. Even if you're making half a million a year for four years running, 
eight years running, I guess. In sum, you've made two million bucks, right? Uh huh. I know he wrote wink, some wink. books. Yeah, he wrote some books. Books, they don't tend to make you super uber wealthy. Maybe his did because it yeah, sold maybe. pretty well. But I mean, what's really happening here? That thing is uh, lavish. Well, and for seven hundred guests, I'm sure he's making money on the speaking fees. True, fair, much like everybody else. Um, and then he had the big Netflix deal, not mm-hmm. too terribly long ago. Which I don't. I That's mean, true. They they're producers for Netflix like, now. Well, I mean, yeah, they did some propaganda for kids. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, and they'll continue doing that. I'm sure, that was worth millions. Yeah, yeah, and isn't that the point though? Is is really what I'm saying is. is You'll never make that money for being president. Isn't that one of many but, houses they own, though? Oh, yeah. Because I think yeah. they have a house in Chicago. Uh, they were looking. They built that one in D.C. and put a wall around it. Yeah. Yep, yep, Everybody yep. got a laugh that. out of that. Do they have a place in Hawaii? Here's Mr. No Wall. Oh, where he was born? I see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Racism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man is not Hawaiian. He was looking at uh, property in Asheville. That was a big buzz around here. Oh, really? That they were going to buy some... <laughs> Schwanky digs on the side of a mountain yeah, up there. grief. Yeah. yeah. Decided not to. They probably ran out of money. You know. Found out Biltmore wasn't for sale. <laughs> um, but I thought it'd be mine. No, it's not yours. But I thought I could. Um, yeah, what I'm saying here is the problem with America is that our positions of power like that are launch pads to be so wealthy. That's all anybody wants out of this, man. They just want to get elected and then cash those fat, fat checks, man. Unless you're Hunter Biden, then just let dad get elected and you go cash the fat, fat Yeah, you're not really worried about the checks as much as you are the crack. The video. Did you see the video, by the way, that somebody put together? Yes. I know. I already know what you're going to say. Joe Biden saying everything wrong with crack and then Hunter Biden smoking it in the frame next to him. Yep. It's a great edit. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right. I think that's enough for now. Okay. All right, that's uh, number 153 of the Felt Recall Podcast. You can always find us online, feltrecallshow.com. If you haven't yet, I would recommend hitting up feltrecallshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. It's coming, and you're going to need it, and I mean that. Prices on everything are about to skyrocket. Overseas containers, I just had a conversation today. Overseas containers, you used to be, I didn't know this. I was told this. Used to be able to get them a year ago for four grand. Pack it with whatever you want, get it over here. They went to 12 recently. And today, today, those same people were told $30,000. And there's like a six million container backlog. It's about to hit really, really hard. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying the cost of everything's about to skyrocket. Put some food in the pantry that'll be there for more than two decades. I've got a lot in mind. Put some in yours as well. FeltRecoilShow.com slash MyPatriotSupply. And we'll see you in seven more days. We didn't get to it this time. I apologize. Next week, we will come back. Next week. And we'll solve all the world's problems. Yep. Right here. Sorry. Next time. <laughs> <laughs>